The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. A few things I want to say right off the bat. First is that I'm a little bit sick. You might be able to hear it in my voice. I'm very sensitive to these things like nasally voices. Um, I'm not sure how this is going to sound. Brian might be able to work his magic on it. But we are in the season of is it allergies? Is it a cold? Or is it COVID? And All three of those things were major possibilities, even though I'm vaccinated, but having gone to the Emmys, which I'm going to talk about in this episode and just traveling, I was a little bit concerned. It's also allergy season right now on the East Coast where I am recording this. And then also I was with my four-year-old nephew and one-year-old niece over the weekend and my niece had a cold. So I figured that was the most likely of the (laughs) culprits for why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Anyway, long story short, I got tested. It's not COVID. So I think I just have kind of a bad cold upper respiratory thing going on. What else? The other thing that I wanted to say, oh, well, as I mentioned, I'm in New York right now. So there might be some noises in the background, although Brian also might be able to work his magic when it comes to that. And speaking of Brian, I was originally going to record this episode with him. I know you guys really enjoyed the last one. And I actually went to the studio to record it with him and then we canned it after like 30 minutes. So you guys sent in tons of Emmy related questions. I know this is a little bit belated now. It's coming out a few weeks after the Emmys, but hopefully you're still interested. So anyway, he was going to use those questions to interview me, but he was like, wait, this is so weird that I'm asking you about your lashes or asking if Brett Goldstein was hot in person. And we were just like laughing and messing up. And I was feeling totally off, which is a whole different topic that maybe I'll get into in another episode. And he was feeling off and we just were like, what are we doing? This is terrible. So we decided that I would just record this solo, solo. And then he and I will have another episode together coming for you in early October. So... With that said, as I said, you guys sent in questions on Instagram. Sorry, I'm a little brain foggy, so I might be stumbling over my words. I have a lot of disclaimers, clearly, for this episode. But I had you guys send in questions on Instagram. And being that it was the day after the Emmys, a lot of the questions were Emmys related. And even though they were a few weeks ago, it just seems like you like to hear some of the Hollywood juice occasionally. So I will do those questions. And then I might get into other things. We'll see how long this runs and see if my throat can hold up for a little while. So first question that I got from a lot of people was how long before an event do I do everything like pick a dress, etc. So normally I like to do about a month ahead of the event just to avoid any last minute issues. And also because I just like to have it done and not have to worry about it. I feel like I have so much going on in my life right now 
between my work and especially across different platforms. There's so many deadlines and so many deliverables that I am constantly working on and just a busy life in general that I never used to be a planner, but now I'm a planner. I want everything to be taken care of ahead of time. And especially something like this where, you know, it's not even about me really. It's kind of like a side thing that's fun, but I just don't want to have to really think about it. However, this year I worked with a new stylist, Monica Rose, who I adore. She's so sweet and I love her style, but we were literally styling down to the second that I walked out of the door to the show. So this is kind of what happened. We had our first fitting together It's like the Friday a week before the Emmys. So the Emmys were on a Sunday. We had our first session the Friday, not right before, but a week before. I think that makes sense. Nine days or so ahead of time. And since we had never worked together before and she had never met me in person or seen my body in person, it was kind of an exploratory fitting where we tried all kinds of different dresses and styles and shapes to just see what worked and nothing really stood out from that session. So we had our next one the Thursday before the Emmys, which were on a Sunday. So now we're four days before, which was a little panic inducing for me, because like I said, I feel so much better if things are taken care of way ahead of time. But I know she's one of the best in the industry and she has tons of experience, tons of relationships with so many different designers. So I wasn't too worried about it. Prior to that next fitting, we were kind of going back and forth, showing each other dresses that we liked. And I was actually kind of down to this black Oscar de la Renta strapless gown with a really low back and a train. And it kind of bunched in the back to make this rosette. And it was really beautiful. The only issue with that is that you think about the photo. And if you're looking at the photo, you're not really seeing the back of the dress. So from the front, it was just kind of plain. It was stunning, but plain. And then there was this lacy Tom Ford kind of sheer one shoulder gown that had some cutouts. And I was in love with it. It was outrageously expensive, but I get very impulsive about beautiful clothes and things sometimes. And I was like, just get it. It doesn't matter. And thankfully, The VMAs happened a few days later and somebody, actually Sierra, was wearing a similar dress. It was pretty much the same thing, but with long sleeves and, but it was styled really badly. I mean, she's gorgeous, but it just did not look good. So that was the universe doing me a solid because if I had gotten that Tom Ford one, Chuck would have been like, what were you thinking when he saw the price tag? Anyway, so that was out. So Thursday, she and her assistant and my tailor came over with like 30 dresses and we tried on a few. And then I tried on that Oscar and we loved it. It was stunning. But then just randomly, Monica said she had gotten this gold beaded fringy Zuhair Murad sample shipped in from Paris. It had arrived just that morning right before the fitting And we had had some other dresses that were being shipped in from other countries and one of them got stuck at customs. And so she didn't want to tell me about this other dress because if it got stuck at customs and I loved it, then I would have been sad. So it was kind of a surprise to me. And she showed it to me and it looked a little crazy 
But when I put it on, it just fit perfectly. It didn't need any alterations. It was just young and fun and not so over the top, I think, because it was not floor length. There were just so many elements to it that felt perfect for the Emmys. And we were all just so in love with it. So that was it. I didn't try any more on after that. So that was good. My issue, however, was that I still could not get my foot in a heel from my injury from when I fell in Greece back in July. And the dress, like I said, wasn't floor length. So you could see my foot and I really didn't think I was going to be able to get into a heel or not. So just a little backstory without boring you. I fell getting onto a water taxi in Greece on like our second day on our boat and I tore a ligament and it took a piece of the bone off with it in the ball of my foot. So it's super painful and I just have no range of motion in my big toe because it's still really swollen and really painful. It takes a long time to heal. So I'll spare you the details, but my doctor basically threw the kitchen sink at it. So about a month before the Emmys, he was like, I will get you in a heel. I will do everything that I would do for my athletes and I'll get you in a heel. So we did steroid injections and we did PRP, which is when they take the platelet-rich plasma from your blood and re-inject it. And the day before the Emmys, like a Saturday morning, I went to meet him in his office and he did like a, a little bit of a steroid injection diluted with a long lasting anesthetic injection, hoping that that would relieve some of the pain. And I was taking Toradol. I mean, I felt, I felt like an athlete. And in fact, about five days prior to the Emmys, my doctor texted me and was like, look, if you're Jordan and you're playing in the game on Sunday, this is what I would do for you. So I liked where his head was. Anyway, all of that is to say that we did everything. And still, when Monica came over on Sunday, when I was getting ready for the show, because the stylist comes over to dress you and accessorize you and get you ready, along with hair and makeup, I still couldn't get into any of the heels that she brought because they were just too high. I had a very limited range of motion. I was like an inch and a half, or that's it. So I was sitting there, hair and makeup done, dress on, and no shoe. And I was like, am I just going to have to go for it and just wear an Air Force One and like make a statement? And I was kind of freaking out. But she sent an assistant out to a store that's kind of near my house. This is at like two o'clock PM and we were leaving for the red carpet at 2.30. And just very randomly, they happened to have a low nude strappy heel that I was able to get into. Still pretty painful, but you know, beauty is pain. And we we were like running out of the house as this shoe arrived. Very dramatic. It was really crazy. So that's my super long winded answer to say that everything was pretty last minute this year, but it did all work out eventually. It's been called the headspace for sexuality, it's been called the audio app that's transforming erotica and technology that's revolutionizing your sex life. Yes, I am talking about 
Dipsy, the audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. The stories are relatable, inclusive, feminist, and celebratory. It's female-founded, after all. And they ground fantasy and reality and show all kinds of preferences and interests because they believe the most exciting, immersive stories are the ones that you can relate to. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore no matter who you are or what turns you on. Sexuality is as mental as it is physical, and 90% of women report using their imaginations to get turned on, and Dipsy helps to unlock that imagination and tap into those feelings whenever you want. Women have been under-resourced when it comes to both pleasure and rest for millennia, and Dipsy is here to change that. So if you want to wind up, they've got you, and if you want to wind down, they also have wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. Off. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash blonde. Again, that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E. Dipsystories.com slash blonde for an extended 30-day free trial. Let's talk about CBD. By now, I'm sure everybody is familiar with it as the CBD market has become so saturated over the last few years. In fact, it seems like now you can get CBD in every coffee shop, on every corner, everywhere on the internet, at the grocery store, etc. But this is actually problematic because so many of the CBD companies out there source their hemp from industrial farms in China. So you need to be really careful when you choose a CBD product because poor quality CBD can have adverse and undesired effects. And this is something I was really wary of when I first started using CBD. And it's why there is only one brand I use. And that is, of course, Ned. So there are products from the full spectrum hemp oil to the sleep oil to their magnesium have made such a difference in my anxiety, my sleep, my inflammation, pain, just really everything. I cannot say enough good things about Ned. And Aside from the incredible quality of their products, I really appreciate how transparent they are. So first of all, they share third-party lab testing on their website, and you also know exactly where their hemp oil is coming from. It's all extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Paonia, Colorado. So I want to tell you guys about Ned's brand new product, which has been in development for over a year, the De-Stress Blend. This one one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp and features a botanical infusion of ashwagandha, cardamom, and cinnamon. So CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. And then the ashwagandha is, of course, an adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the cardamom and cinnamon just offer the de-stress blend a delicious taste. And cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health and a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. So if you want to try the new de-stress blend from Ned, a brand that I love and trust, I have a special offer for the Blonde Files audience. So every order over $40 qualifies for 15% off and a free de-stress blend 
sample. Just go to www.helloned.com slash blonde or enter blonde at checkout to take advantage of this offer. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E to get 15% off plus a free de-stressed blend sample on any order over $40. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring this program and offering my listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Hey, I'm Allie Colbert. I'm a stand-up comedian, actress, and writer from New York City. And I'm Jackie Colbert. I have made my career as a comedian by using my insights and wit to make points. Funny points, but points. Look, I have good taste and too much common sense for just myself, so I'm going to share it with you guys. Okay, Allie, get over yourself. (laughs) And my younger sister and best friend Jackie is here to bring me back down to earth. Every Tuesday, Jackie and I are going to hang out with each other and some of our favorite people. And of course, respond to your questions and confessions. So send in your secrets. It's like church, but I'm Jewish and bisexual. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. Do I borrow dresses or do I buy? I always buy, unfortunately, but kind of fortunately also. Unfortunately, because they are usually insanely expensive. But fortunately, because I like having the gowns just in my closet as collector's items and also reminders of fun memories. I've always been like that. I've always, as you guys probably know, been fashion obsessed and I like to hold on to things for sentimental value and have these really beautiful pieces as collectors in my closet is like a museum for me. So for that reason, I kind of don't mind it. But Frankly, nobody cares about me or about what I'm wearing at these events, except for me. So it's really not worth it for a designer, especially a major one, which I've pretty much always worn, to gift it to me in return for press. So actually, the year that Chuck won the Golden Globe for Best Comedy, which was 2019, that year, there were tons of red carpet pictures that got a good amount of coverage. I ended up in some of the fashion websites. There were photos from the show, like with different big actors and just with Chuck and I. And there were photos from the after parties because he won and I was on TV a fair amount. So that time would maybe have been worth it for somebody, but we couldn't have anticipated that that was going to happen. And some years we just get more coverage than others. This year at the Emmys, literally nobody cared, I think, because it was kind of a smaller show this year and a smaller red carpet and kind of disorganized all because of COVID. We just kind of breezed through and we did the carpet with Paul Reiser, who was nominated for Chuck's show as well, and his wife. And that was kind of that. So normally you get to the carpet and I'll probably get into this later, but they send Chuck and I out together. And this year, because we were there, we were talking to Paul and his wife, Paula, kind of funny, Paul and Paula. They were like, do you guys want to do it together? And so it ended up being like a foursome. And yeah, didn't get a whole lot of coverage, which is just as well. So what is the prep like? What do I eat? When does glam start? All of that. So I just eat normally, nothing special there. I think you guys probably know that about me already. I really don't change or modify my diet before anything. I didn't do it for my wedding. I don't do it for events. But this year I did do lymphatic drainage with Rebecca from Detox by Rebecca, which was amazing. I've done 
other lymphatic drainage. I just did one here in New York and it was great, but she really works it all out of you. I don't know how, but I must have lost five pounds and a few inches of water weight, which was much needed because I had my period right before TMI. But you know, that feeling when you're just like waterlogged, she got rid of all of that. So that was amazing. And then as for glam, that usually starts like two or three hours before we leave. So we started that at 1130 in the morning. By comparison, Chuck's glam started at like 2 p.m. and we left at 2.30. Way different for a man than a woman. But I enjoy that. I like talking to the hair and makeup people. And I really loved the ones that I had this year. And so that part is fun for me. Okay. Somebody asked to walk through the Emmys from arrival to the show. And don't worry, I'll get to like more of the juicy stuff. There wasn't that much juicy stuff this year, not to like, don't turn off this episode right now, but I'll get to the celebs and all of that. So, okay. So at any award show, when you arrive, you have to go through a series of checkpoints. And this year there were a few extra, I think because of COVID, I'm assuming. So We headed downtown. The first checkpoint asked for our QR code that we were sent on our phones that confirmed that we were double vaxxed and tested negative for COVID prior to the show. So once you submitted that information, they sent you a QR code that was kind of like part of your ticket to get in. I was flagged for whatever reason. So they asked me a few questions. I felt like I was in trouble. I felt like if you get flagged at customs, you just feel like you did something wrong. But anyway, so they asked me a few questions. Then we went to the next checkpoint, which is where they search the car. So they don't search inside, but they have what I'm assuming is like bomb sniffing dogs and they check under the car and in the trunk. And this is always done at these shows, always. So you have to leave really early, partially because of the red carpet and partially because you have to get through this line of cars getting checked and checkpoints. So then we had to drive through this little maze thingy and I didn't see if there were dogs there. I'm not sure what the purpose was, but then we arrived to the carpet or like the pre-red carpet area and again, had to show them our COVID things, the QR things. And then we were led to the pre-red carpet schmoozing area. So not the red carpet, but there's like a pre-carpet and that's where you're met by your PR person. So we had somebody from Netflix who kind of led us inside First, Chuck did a few photos in the pre-red carpet area with like some executives and whatnot. And I met somebody there who liked the podcast. I didn't get any information, but if you're listening, thank you. Always love when people come up to me in front of Chuck. He actually loves it. And I love it too, because for so long, he really didn't understand my career. And I think in a way, it's just kind of validating. Now, of course he does. And if you've listened to our episodes together, he said it's like his favorite thing to see when people come up and say that they like the podcast or whatever. And he always says that his audience is shrinking and my audience is growing and that's the way he likes it. So anyway, whoever you were, I appreciate that. So he did some photos with whoever. And then we were led to an indoor area where they had like social media activations as they call them. And we did some photos and videos for like the Emmys social media. And oh yeah, we saw Kaylee there. She was with her stylist, Brad Goreski. They both looked incredible. She was actually one of my best dressed of the night. In photos, she looked great. 
but in person, she looked even better, which is the case with everybody there. Like those red carpet photos are kind of savage. The lighting is kind of savage sometimes. She really looked stunning. The color of that dress in person was stunning. And just with her fair skin and like her hair, her fair hair, which like in the low pony, it was just so pretty. So we saw them. And then we also got in line in this room for like the actual red carpet. So when we were in line, we saw Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. He was also nominated for Chuck's show. And they're always very nice and warm. She's very much like the grand movie star still. I mean, I I don't know that she's done a lot lately. I know she has kind of like a lifestyle brand, but I think she just will always be like, I don't know, kind of like larger than life. Who else was there? There were a few people from Queen's Gambit in front of us and a few people from Ted Lasso, but I'm so bad with names, especially this year. I feel like I didn't watch a whole lot. And then, like I said, Paul Reiser and his wife got there and they waited with us. And so once we got up to their step and repeat where all of the people, all the photographers and the media outlets, they always send somebody out like one at a time. And they hold up a sign for the photographers that says like, this is so-and-so from Ted Lasso. Because of course the photographers are not going to, they're not expected to know who every single person is. So they saw Chuck and Paul and they were like, oh, well, why don't you guys go together? Because you're both nominated for the same show. So instead of Chuck and I going out It was Chuck and Paul. So Paula, Paul's wife and I stood there and then they asked if the wives wanted to join. And usually it's not even a question. It's always, like I said, Chuck and I, but this year again, because I think it was sort of like a truncated red carpet. They were mainly just doing nominees, they asked. And Paula and I were like, yes, we spent five hours getting ready, plus finding the dress and all of that. Yes, we are getting our pictures taken. Thank you very much. So we did a bunch that were the four of us and they took some of just Chuck and I, and then the guys did the next press line. So all of the entertainment shows like E! Extra, E.T., et cetera, they all have like these stations where if you watched the pre-show, you probably saw like the interviews with different nominees that come up and talk to them. So normally I would also do that with Chuck, but this year I hung back while he and Paul did that together. I didn't mind that because doing that as the wife, the significant other, you're just standing there nodding at whatever they say and smiling like a total bobblehead moment. And it's just kind of awkward. Not that I would want them to ask me a question because again, like it's not about me. Nobody cares what I have to say. I think there was one year where they actually did ask me something. He like put the mic in my face and was like, what do you think? And, you know, I was not expecting to say anything. So I felt very on the spot. I can't remember what I said, but like, it's about Chuck. It's not about me. So my role in that moment is to stand there and smile, but you can't help but kind of feel like a bimbo. By now, we probably all know how important gut health is to our overall health. And we know that the state of our gut influences so many things from our hormones to our energy to our mental health, our sleep, and more. And paramount in maintaining a healthy gut is maintaining a balance of good bacteria. And Just Thrive probiotics help to do just that. So their proprietary strains have been third-party clinically tested and are proven to arrive 100% alive in your gut. And they're proven to be super effective. I've been taking them all year 
and they were such a game changer when it came to my bloating and just how I feel. And they also work really quickly. In a study, the strains in Just Thrive Probiotic were shown to address leaky gut in as little as 30 days. And Just Thrive can also help your immune system since we know 70 to 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. It can help to support your skin, support your sleep and your mood. And like I said, they really helped me with my bloating. And I saw a huge difference even just in the first few weeks that I took them. And I've tried a lot of other brands and not really had any success. So that's just a testament to their proprietary strains that they use. They have an armor-like shell that protects them from harsh environments like the super harsh stomach acid. And another thing that I really appreciate about Just Thrive is that their products contain more clinical research than other products out there. I actually did an episode with Tina Anderson, the co-founder back in April. So you can go check that out if you want to learn more about them. It's episode 106. And they are offering you guys, my listeners, 15% off site-wide. So give your body the important immune support it needs to feel your absolute best and get your gut in order with Just Thrive. All you have to do is go to justthrivehealth.com and use the promo code BLONDE for 15% off site-wide. Again, that's justthrivehealth.com and the code is BLONDE for 15% off. In most places, at least in the US, the temperatures are starting to drop. We're coming into fall, coming into winter. And with that comes dry air and dry air in your environment, even after just 30 minutes can totally wreak havoc on our skin. This is something that was brought to my attention many months ago. And I got a canopy humidifier, which made such a difference in my skin, because as I'm sure a lot of you guys know, I use serums. I don't use moisturizers because of my skin type. And sometimes I found that even though I was using this really good kind of medical grade skincare, I would still wake up dry. And ever since using the humidifier, I feel like it really locks in those products and just helps to make my skin healthy, glowy. It can also help with sleep and just overall wellness. But traditional humidifiers are notorious for being bulky, ugly. They can get moldy. They're hard to maintain. And Canopy is not like that. It is recommended by leading dermatologists. It's a completely reimagined humidifier that elevates your home for the ultimate in skincare and wellness benefits. It's clean moisture, combats dryness, sensitivity, dullness, and can help with fine lines and wrinkles, which I'm sure we all want. And the humidifier promotes a healthy skin barrier and increases the efficacy of your topical skincare products. Like I was saying, I really noticed a big difference there. Another thing that you should know about humidifiers is that traditional humidifiers have visible mist, which can be unhealthy because particles and bacteria being carried by the water go into the air, but Canopy has mist-free hydration, so it's invisible, clean moisture. It also has an antimicrobial filter that catches irritating minerals, bacteria, and other nasty stuff from the water before it's evaporated into your environment, and it has unique technology that keeps the humidifier running until there is no water left inside the unit, so no water left inside means no mold. And the easiest part is that canopy goes right into the dishwasher. It also has a built-in aroma diffuser and it's also just 
really cute. So I highly recommend checking out Canopy Humidifier. It has so many benefits. And they also just launched a waterless aroma diffuser that's so easy to use and makes your home smell amazing. So you guys can go to getcanopy.co and you can save $25 on your Canopy Humidifier purchase today with Canopy's filter subscription. And you will receive a free aroma kit to be used with Canopy's built-in aroma diffuser. Even better, you can use the code BLONDE10 at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Your skin will thank you. Okay, so then we were taken to the roof where, as Seth Rogen pointed out, they had built a structure where the show was being held. And they made such a big deal this year out of disinviting so many people that weren't actually nominated and only having 12 media outlets on the red carpet and doing the show outside. So we thought like it was fully going to be outside, outside, maybe under like a tent, but with like open sides and all that. No, it was fully an indoor structure. And I think Seth Rogen was like, oh, I guess it's more important to have chandeliers than to not die. So that said, you know, I did feel pretty comfortable just given that you had to show proof of vaccination and test negatively. And of course, with all of these things, like if you test negative on a Friday and then you're going to pre-Emmy parties all weekend, anything can happen in those two days. But I feel like I take all the precautions I can. I'm vaccinated. Like what do this is why we're vaccinated. So I wasn't really too concerned. And they did ask people to wear masks if they were not sitting at their table, like if you get up to go to the bathroom or something like that. So Anyway, we were taken there to the tent and taken to our table and we just mingled a little bit before the show started. So, okay. Who looked best in person? Like I said, pretty much everybody looks better in person than in the photos. I really thought Kaylee looked stunning. Ooh, Yara Shahidi. I think I'm saying that right. She was on the carpet at some point, like right in front of me or right behind me or something. She looked beyond stunning. Like, wow, she is so gorgeous. She had this green off the shoulder, kind of like tea length. I think it was Dior dress with this choker and just with her skin, like everything just looked so pretty. I wish she wore maybe like an open toe sandal. She wore like a beige or a brown closed toe pump. I'm sure you guys are listening. Like we don't care about your shoes. We don't care about her shoes, but that was just something that I noticed, but she looked Amazing. So, so gorgeous. Carrie Washington looked incredible. Kate Winslet looked amazing. She just looked like chic and timeless. I didn't watch Ted Lasso, so I don't really get the hype, but Jason Sudeikis looked amazing. I'm sure he knew it was his night, so he really stepped it up. Um, his suit looked great. I'm trying to think who else. The women from Ted Lasso looked really good. I can't really think of anybody else that really stood out to me, but I'm sure there were. I'm just kind of drawing a blank because it's been a few weeks, but okay. Who looked worst? Honestly, I'm not just being PC, but nobody really stood out to me as looking bad or like looking worst dressed. I mean, there were dresses and looks that I didn't love, but I don't think anybody really looked bad. I kind of have a theory. I feel like people maybe didn't get a lot of press during COVID or people are just feeling, 
I don't know, like they need to shake things up after COVID. So there were a lot of bold looks, not just at the Emmys, but at like the Met Gala, um, which always has some more bold looks. Obviously, that's like a one up of who can get more press. But also at the VMAs, I feel like people after not having these events and being on Zoom and maybe not getting press coverage and not getting to dress up, now they're like, okay, this is my chance. So you can see that with like the really bold colors and tons of like beaded, shiny things, myself included, and some kind of outlandish things. I mean, like Emma Corrin from The Crown stands out. I think she wore like a Mew Mew Um, kind of a shift dress, if I remember correctly, with kind of a swim cap situation. I mean, that wasn't, I I don't know. It was so kind of so far out there that like, I can't even say it was bad. It was just very unique. But I guess I do have an unpopular opinion here. I didn't love Anya Taylor-Joy's dress. She is stunning and ethereal And the styling and everything head to toe is like, wow. I mean, she is like a movie star. I mean, nowadays, like TV stars, kind of the same thing with streaming, but ultimate starlet, like head to toe, you're just like, oh my God. But the dress, I just didn't think in person it was that good. Granted, I just saw her walking to the bathroom. So I didn't like see the whole thing just standing there in all its glory, but I just didn't love it. And I didn't really love it in pictures either, but I don't know. What do I know? Everyone else seemed to love it. So that's just me. I did think I actually, I I would have liked it maybe separately, like just the dress with different hairstyling or like just the hair with a different dress kind of thing. But I think together it just was kind of like a a mismatch for me. But again, I'm sure that's unpopular opinion. Someone's going to write me and tell me I'm jealous of her or something. That's usually what happens if I say anything about anybody. Okay. Who was at our table? Usually at these things, they do the table by show or by whatever platform the show is on, like Netflix, Apple, et cetera. So normally our table is us, the actors who are nominated, maybe an executive or a producer, um, like somebody from Netflix or one of the producers on the show. And if it's a big table, they'll have other shows at our table from that platform. For example, last year, Golden Globes, it was like Chuck and I, Michael and Catherine, And then other Netflix shows that were nominated. So Jason Bateman and and his wife, I think her name is Amanda, um, because he was nominated for Ozark and Christina Applegate and Paul Rudd. And I can't remember who else. But the Emmys this year had small tables, like eight people. And for some reason, they put the actors from Chuck's show who were nominated at a different table, maybe because they were presenting. I'm not sure. So this year it was Chuck and I a producer and a director from his show, Marlies and Andy Tennant. And then four Ted Lasso people who I didn't know. And it was kind of funny because we knew Ted Lasso was going to win everything. It was going to win a lot, including the category that Chuck was nominated for, which was best comedy. And that's fine. It was the show of the year, just like Schitt's Creek was the show of last year. And I was actually talking to a producer at the Emmys. And she was like, yeah, it was the show that everybody needed like at that time. Perfect timing, perfect show for the year that we had. But we didn't think that we would be at a table with them. So every time Ted Lasso won from like the first award of the night, they were like, oh my God, 
like screaming and cheering and hugging. And we just looked at each other at that first award and we were like, okay, this is going to be all night. This is a lot, but it was kind of funny. Okay. What was the food like? So normally there's like a salad, an entree, some chocolates and like snacky food and drinks. But this year I'm assuming because of COVID, we just had these boxes, like what you would get on some airplanes. And I'm sure it's, you know, they don't want like people contaminating food if they're sick, whatever. So the box had kind of like a charcuterie situation inside, like cheese, some cured meats, some fruit, crackers, some nuts. Most people don't eat at these things anyway. So it's kind of a huge waste. The box, I guess, was kind of a good idea. Like you, if you're going to eat, you want snacky foods. You don't want to be like eating fish. I mean, I just can't with like fish for an event with a thousand people. It's just seems a little risky. So I brought two Go Macro Kids bars with me. They were the only size that would fit in my clutch, but it ended up being perfect because you're sitting there for like six hours. So from the red carpet till the end of the show, and then if you're doing after parties too, you're sitting in the actual award show for three hours. And it gets kind of boring because it will be like two awards are presented and then it cuts to a commercial break. And a commercial break there, you're not sitting there watching a commercial it's just nothing. They put music on and you can like get up and mingle or whatever. So I had my protein bars. I had some of the nuts and fruit, which held me over. But the whole time we were like, oh, we cannot wait to go home and eat pizza, which is exactly what we did. So, okay. Do I feel pressure to look my best at these events? The only pressure that I really feel is from myself. I want to look good. I think everybody does. If you're going to an event like this where everybody is like dressed to the nines and you're getting your photo taken. You're probably going to be on TV or in the background at some point. I think everybody wants to look their best. Everybody goes all out to some degree. So I kind of go into it with the attitude that it's not about me, but I also want to look my best. And on top of that, you know, I love fashion. I love beauty. I love getting to play dress up. Although... I mean, I could not wait to get back in sweatpants. I don't know if I've just been conditioned by the last 18 months or whatever of COVID. I mean, I still love dressing up. But anyway, I'm starting to ramble here. In my normal life, I just don't do it all that much. So these events are just kind of a nice opportunity to do so. So that brings me to, do I feel like an imposter at these events? Definitely not. I think that it's just so not about me. I feel like I keep saying that, but because it's not my world at all, like it's so clear that my role there is just going there to support my husband. I think if I were in the entertainment industry or trying to be in the entertainment industry or was somehow in a profession where I was like orbiting that world, somewhere on the periphery, I might feel a little bit of imposter syndrome, being in a room with all of those people, like at the very top of their game. But again, it's not my world. It's Chuck's world. I can just appreciate having the opportunity to be there and having the opportunity to experience it firsthand because most people don't, frankly. So for me, like imposter syndrome or thoughts can creep in sometimes when it comes to my own career or work, or at least it did in the beginning, because I was having a conversation with someone about this recently, like being an influencer or being a podcaster or a blogger or whatever. 
it's kind of a weird thing because you literally have to fake it till you make it. You show up and you talk to an audience, whether it's five people or 500 people or 50,000 people or so on. And it's really hard in the beginning when your audience is small to feel like what you're doing matters or to feel like it's going anywhere. So it can be really awkward and uncomfortable. And the doubt and the fear that often accompanies imposter syndrome can really creep in when, you know, you have a hundred followers and you're like, Hey guys, and you're working tirelessly to create this content. You don't know if you're ever going to get to a level where people know you or consume your content, but you just kind of have to pretend. And you're like, what the hell am I doing? So I definitely experienced that in the beginning, not so much at this point in my career, just because you know, for the past five, almost six years, I've worked really hard to get to where I am today. I continue to work really hard to get to where I want to go. But that's not to say it doesn't happen. I mean, you see what your peers are doing like day in, day out. And of course, you can have kind of the doubts creep in. But all of this aside, I think everybody has these thoughts. I think even the people who are at the top of their game, like, I bet if you ask some of these actors, even the ones who win the awards there, if they feel like imposters, a lot of them would say yes. And some of them even allude to it in their speeches. They're like, how is this happening right now? I think it's like a really out of body experience. So now I'm going off on a tangent, but if anyone listening feels that way, feels imposter syndrome, I think it's just totally normal. And I think we just have to remind ourselves of our accomplishments and our efforts and just stop the comparison game. Okay. Do I get shade at these events? Normally, no. People are usually very friendly or like at the very least, people are polite and on decent behavior. I think honestly, everybody is so wrapped up in themselves, whether they are nominated or if they're presenting or if they're just there, everyone is thinking about themselves. And also when they're not thinking about themselves, I think they're just kind of looking around and seeing who else is there and who they can schmooze with and all of that. That's just my assumption based on interactions that I've had. However, there was one actress who was so rude to me at the Golden Globes last year, which I talked about on the podcast before. This is not new information, but like I went up to her because we were all saying hi and she said hi to Chuck and I introduced myself and put my hand out to shake it. This is pre-COVID when people shook hands. She was sitting down and she just sat there and looked at me like, who is this peasant? And didn't say anything, didn't shake my hand or anything. I mean, she looked at me with just this look of disgust. It's the only way that I can explain it. It was so awkward. It looked so bad on her part because how rude, like why even do that? I wasn't even insulted. I was just like, yikes, like that's so weird. So I'll never reveal who she is, but I think my clues before were B-list, mostly TV, but with an iconic movie role. And she had an iconic TV role too, a long time ago, probably before a lot of people listening to this podcast were even alive. <laughs> okay. Did anyone make me starstruck? I'm trying to think if there was anyone this year who made me starstruck. I don't normally, like I can only think of a couple times that it's actually happened in my life. And admittedly, I don't really watch TV. I have a few shows that I love, but 
they weren't there for the most part this year, like Succession, for example. When I saw the cast at the Globes last year, I was very excited. I don't know if that would be considered starstruck, but I was like, oh, I mean, that show, I am. it's my favorite show. And then I also love The Crown, but they weren't at the Emmys this year. They were kind of there, but they were all in London. So they were doing everything like accepting awards remotely. But actually... The guy who played Prince Charles in the last season, Josh O'Connor, I think his name is. I saw him because he was sitting right by us and he got up to go, I'm assuming to the bathroom and he walked by and he was in a suit that had like the tails and it was just very like British, regal. And I was a little bit awestruck, not starstruck because it's not him, but it's his character, like his character and the whole production. I mean whether you were like interested in The Crown or not, the production of that show is just incredible. That blew me away. So to see him in person, I was like, it's Prince Charles. I loved seeing Jason Sudeikis in real life, even though I didn't watch Ted Lasso. But I think he just seemed kind of like larger than life this year because everyone knew that it was his year and he knew it. And so he looked great. His suit was great. I don't know. There's not really... Sorry, this is like not juicy at all, but there wasn't really anybody this year, especially like Emmys because it's TV. You don't get a lot of like the big, big stars that you get maybe in movies, although all the movie stars are now trying to do TV. So I just wasn't really blown away, but it was fun seeing some people in real life. Okay. Did anything surprise me about award shows when I first went? I think I was surprised by how normal everybody seemed. I mean, there are definitely some people that are kind of larger than life personas, like a Lady Gaga, for example. But even she seems normal when you're seeing her in line to pee or something in the bathroom. And that happens at the award shows. I was kind of surprised to sense a lot of nervousness and insecurity. You would think like you're in a room with Hollywood's biggest stars and the world's biggest stars. And you would think that they'd be a certain way because of that, but there's kind of a nervous energy that's palpable when you're there. And I don't know, I kind of feel like the people that aren't nervous are bored. So it's kind of a weird combination of energy. Even Chuck noted that like it's nerve wracking and you can feel that nervous energy when you're there because for them it's work. And especially if you're nominated or you're presenting or whatever, you're potentially on TV in front of millions of people and you want to win. And there's just a lot of emotions there, probably why they keep the booze flowing. But (laughs) the other thing is that it's just usually so much less glamorous than it looks on TV. Like the Golden Globes are nice because they're in a nice room at the Beverly Hilton. They really go all out. But like the Emmys this year, the SAG Awards, Critics' Choice, they just look totally different on TV than how they look in person, which is intentional, obviously. They want it to look dazzling to viewers and it's just really not in real life. Okay. Is Brett Goldstein as hot in person? Finally, I'm getting to your Ted Lasso questions. So I had no idea who Brett Goldstein or Roy Kent, which now I know is the character that he plays on Ted Lasso. I had no idea who he was. And when I was posting Instagram stories, I got so many DMs because I guess he was like in the background of one of my stories and everyone was asking 
everyone was like, oh my God, Roy Kent. And I was sitting there like, who's Roy Kent? I was getting confused. And I was thinking of Logan Roy, the character who's the dad in succession. And I was like, people think he's hot. Like what is going on? Then I Googled it and I saw who it was. And then I put it together and then he actually walked right by me and I was sitting down and he like looked at me and stared into my soul for like two seconds, like time slowed down. At least that's what it felt like. He was probably just quickly calculating who I was, which is like what everybody does at these things. They look at you and you can see them like calculating. Do I know them? Do I need to know them? Do I want to know them? Are they important? But but, but. like all of that happening in 0.5 seconds. But it was definitely a moment, like not a weird moment because I was sitting there with Chuck, but you know, you know what I mean? He was attractive though. Okay. So I think I covered a lot of the questions about that. They weren't that juicy this year. I'm sorry to say there weren't really any blind items that I can think of. We didn't even go to an after party. We were so over it. I think by the time they got to Chuck's category, best comedy is second to last award of the night. You've been sitting there for three hours you know, not including all of the prep and the red carpet stuff. And so they're announcing the nominees and then they announced Ted Lasso, which we knew it would be. And again, everyone at our table, ah, like jumping, hugging. And Chuck was like, okay, let's go. And I said, we can't leave right now. We might be on camera because they show the people at the tables getting up and then you're going to look like a sore loser. And then you know, you just don't want that. So I told him to wait until after the speech. So we did that. And then before they announced best drama, we like booked it to where the cars picked everybody up. And we went home, we had our pizza, got in sweatpants, watched a few minutes of it on TV because it starts airing at eight o'clock on the West Coast. And that was really that. So it's a lot of prep to go through. And when it's kind of anticlimactic, you just kind of want to go home and get in sweatpants, but it was okay. I think a lot of people weren't really feeling it this year anyway, but we still had fun all in all. I mean, Chuck has been doing this, going to these things for like as long as I've been alive, literally. So I don't think it was even remotely fun for him. I think it's more of like a chore and something that he has to do. Obviously it's an honor for him to be nominated, especially with so much content out there, but you know, it's work for him anyway. They are starting to do some drilling in my building somewhere and I can hear it. So I think that's my cue to end this episode. I hope that that was remotely entertaining for you guys. And as always, I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you. Talk to you next week. hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.